Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. Seeking the truth, exposing the lies. Remember, together, we are unstoppable. Keep on digging. And Another Thing with Dave. Uh, Bjorn, let's bring you back up here. Change up the uh, panel a little bit. Hello, right. I'm a revived. <laughs> greetings, greetings. Welcome, uh, and also welcome to Looking Glass. And Sebastian, thank you for sticking around because uh, that was uh, that was quite the marathon there. Of course, yeah, no problem. Um, so, uh, because you stuck around through all of that, Sebastian, I told you, uh, I told you to take notes. I, and I assume you were probably one of the, you definitely probably did. I know you're a note taker. So, uh, if you had anything to respond to any of those comments, uh, please do so. And then the looking glass, I'd like to get into some of the things that you were discussing, you wanted to discuss. And then we'll just kind of go around. We'll, we'll kind of, uh, go with the, uh, we'll go with the flow here, right? Yeah. yeah I so, wanted, uh, I, I, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, no, no, no. I just wanted, uh, to thank you, Paul Hogan, for having the discipline to play through those messages without ever responding. I do not have that discipline, but you have you have taught me that I should have that discipline tonight, and I admire that discipline that you have. So thank you, and then I'm <laughs> going to meet. My- well, that's so well, I appreciate that, and uh, thank you for uh, uh, sharing so so many thoughts and opinions, and I'm excited to kind of bite into some of that. But uh, Sebastian, uh, let loose, brother. Unleash the crowd. Yeah, I got a couple things. Uh, so, so early, early on, uh. Uh, Butts was saying that uh, he was going off about uh, people holding signs and being angry about that while other people are angry about, like, voting or whatever. I, I just it, – it's it's weird because every year it's like a new flavor of, of I hate protests or I hate free speech. It's, it's, it's this new – so when when people are burning buildings down – People are like, oh no, don't do that. When people are holding up signs, they're like, oh no, don't do that. When people are, 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 are blocking traffic to get visibility, oh no, don't do that. We're going to run you over now because that's legal. Um, it just seems like they're, like, protesting in general, like, people have found ways to reach, like, lay people and, like, just the public in general and get them upset at protesters, which is not something that was, like, super common to do like it was always kind of celebrated uh, at least when i was growing up when i was younger um i got the impression that it was a celebrated thing that we did because we had our first amendment right uh it's a little it's a little weird that like the the dialogue and the narratives on that have shifted to just like hate every form of protest if it's too if it's too aggressive criticize that if it's not aggressive enough criticize that but like if, and if it's anything in between, find something to criticize. I, I just I, I don't buy that. I don't I don't like that 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 argument. Like like you either, you either like it or you don't. <laughs> and if you don't like it, just say that. Like don't don't critique the specific methodology of of protesting. Another thing. Uh uh. uh well, actually, an, another thing with Dave, um, who is here now, uh, mentioned RT and like RT being the left channel. Look, I, I grew up with RT. Um, I, I was a, I was a I'm thirty. I'm going to be thirty four next week, but uh, I'm thirty three now. Been a communist since I was fifteen. RT has been like my main source of, you know, kind of like the 
what I would have interpreted at the time as being the left critique um, uh, of, you know, the media with left critique. And there was some room for that. Um, it did host a lot of people, my, my actual contemporaries um, at the time, uh, who, you know, who I, like Caleb Maupin, for instance. Caleb Maupin uh, used to be in the World Workers' Party, which is a, a kind of a Marxist-Leninist party. Um, and Caleb Maupin got really close to RT, like got really close to the production of RT, and now is this like ultra right wing, like effectively a fascist without without saying it because he's got all the, the the Marxist credentials, but so did Mussolini. But uh, Caleb Maupin's garbage. He he he's he's an opportunist. He 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 was, you know, he was a Trotskyist, a Marxist Leninist, and now he's doing the whole like dad thing. A dad fascist thing, um, but that is the trajectory of RT. RT was never a host for leftist critique as, as much. I mean, it did that secondarily, but it was mostly the the American broadcast for uh, like anti-American, specifically like foreign. Like it, it was a, a a foreign policy strategy. Um, it was it was representative of a right-wing government in Russia. RT has never been, or at least primarily, it's never been a, a an actual project for leftists. It, it never had, and, and all the people you listed, I mean, Jimmy Dore is fucking garbage. Jimmy Dore is a quack. Jimmy Dore doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Um, Lee Camp, I, I'll give you that. Lee Camp was pretty good. Um, but, uh, I mean, the People's Party is garbage. This is all, like, 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 I don't know how to describe it, but it's like this, this, this right-wing ideology that's, like, has this thin paint of leftist rhetoric. It's, it's, it's critique things not, not through, like, like, a, 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 an economic or, or Marxist or leftist framework, but critique things, uh, just to critique them without any kind of like realistic solution, and then like just be content with being upset. It's it, it people's party is never going to do anything. They're going to they're going to fade away. Uh, they're probably going to get Jimmy Dore to run for president at some point, which is going to be, I mean, ridiculous. I mean, he's, uh, if he gets on on, on a podium, it, 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 you're going to be embarrassed. I promise you. Um, All right, uh, Dave. Uh, I want to give Dave the uh, because you know that was kind of a response to Dave, and Dave is here now. Dave. Uh, yes, Dave is I here now. Yeah. Like, I would like to give Dave the opportunity to respond. Um, uh, please, if, if you'd like to, Dave. Dave's not here, man. Hey, Dave. Is Dave there? Dave's not here, man. That, that might be uh, before some of your time. That was an old Cheech and Chong bit. Dave's not here. <laughs> Dave's right here. How's it going, everybody? Yeah, I appreciate your sentiment, Sebastian. How you doing? I've always appreciated your, you know, what you got between your ears right there. You're a thinking feller. Uh, yeah, better a, a smart feller than a, than a fart smeller, right? Um, yeah, so glad to be on the panel with you guys. Thank you very much. Um, it, I, it seems to me that people have strong feelings about Jimmy Dore one way or the other. Um, and I wonder why he gets so people so upset because he he doesn't so much spew his platform as have people on to give them a microphone right like one thing he did do was was hashtag force the vote trying to get medicare for all and he caused a big commotion with that um 
but he has people on. I wrote, took some notes here. Um, like, you know, like reporter Glenn Greenwald, like, uh, Max Blumenthal, Aaron Mate. Aaron Mate won an award for debunking Russiagate. Um, and, um, you know, and then just going back to what you were saying about RT America, man, I, I agree. I, I wasn't trying to say that it was a, um, uh, podium for the left. Basically, I was trying to, to counter the narrative that it was state sponsored. Um, well, it was Russian state sponsored, but it wasn't doing really, you know, it wasn't Putin's microphone, Putin's podium. Um, I agree with you that it gave a voice to an anti-American sentiment, which as a foreign government to, to allow Americans to talk shit about their own government, that's a brilliant strategy, right? Because as a left-leaning person, as a far leftist, I would get a lot of truth on RT America about the dirt that the United States either is doing or has done in the past that I couldn't find on uh, a lot of other, you know, um, at least without digging, you know, really deep. Um, yeah. So I think that's all I got on that. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of Jimmy Dore. He's, I kind of look at him as, uh, you know, the new daily show with John Stewart, right? That he's kind of the same MO. He'll bring up a topic. Kind of joke about it, dig deep into it, offer a counter narrative to what the mainstream or mainstream or lamestream's talking about, and then he usually has an expert on because he's he'd be the first person to say, "I'm a pothead in my garage," right? Yeah, but the the, the, the problem with that is that he, I mean, okay, look, this guy, number one, okay, let me let me go go back back. I'm familiar with all those people. Aaron Montage, Max Blumenthal, I, I grew up listening to all that before they had this whole, like, weird coalition. Before Aaron Mate knew who Max Blumenthal was, Glenn Greenwald, who is, uh, uh, I mean, also just an absolute sellout. Uh, I mean, he did great work early on. Uh, all these people, all these people did phenomenal work, but they're part of this weird, uh, uh, like, right deviationist coalition. Um if, if you want to think about it in like leftist uh, uh, terms, uh, Jimmy Dore has promoted COVID conspiracy theories. <laughs> like uh, he, he's not, I'm not taking this out of context. He literally did that multiple times. The, the guy is, is not really qualified to speak on anything, but he, he really like is, is just a megaphone for, for misinformation. Um, the counter narrative that comes from people like like Black Spilmothal and and RT itself, I appreciated, but like you have to have a, a very keen understanding that like this is not part of the like labor movement in America or the anti-war movement. This is Russia having this this platform and this narrative to then move forward and do the 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 basically the same shit the U.S. does. Like, I agree with all the critiques. It's just the person who's critiquing, ultimately, the ownership of the person who's critiquing, um, is ha- has the same motivations as, you know, China and, and the U.S. But, uh, I mean, as long as we understand that, I, we can have a mature conversation about it. That's fine. I, I, I agree with some of the stuff you just said there. Yeah, I, right. I agree. There's probably nefarious purpose in in starting the channel from the onset, but you know, I care less about that than I do about the information that I was able to receive because 
otherwise, like I was saying, I, you know, hard to access a lot of that information, hard to get the dirt on what's really going on in Venezuela. And just a little backstory on Venezuela, right? So Max Blumenthal did an expose on that when we were saying, oh, Venezuela, they can't get toilet paper. He went down there and he filmed the grocery store, like the equivalent of Whole Foods. Yeah, I remember that. And he's going, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's going through the steak aisle. It's full of all these beautiful cuts of meat. It looked like Whole Foods. He goes down the beer aisle. There's all these 20 different kinds of microbrew IPA. And so what it was. It, he surmised it, the the one percent down there, the 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 um the rich elite down there withholding certain products from the market. Sure. Right. Uh, that's that's correct. Yes. Let's. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Take your show back. <laughs> I was say not to. I don't not to like jump in, but I don't want to like uh, move past uh, some other things. I want to get Bjorn involved here and uh, the Looking Glass. Uh, the Looking Glass had some uh, interesting things to uh, say. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted to bring any of those uh, points up, and or did you want to discuss the article? Did you have any quite uh, any points about the article specifically that you wanted to uh, bring up uh, for conversation? Uh, sure. I, I don't. There's a there's a message there. I don't know if you wanted to play that out or for me to. That's true. We don't. Yeah, we don't want to happen what happened last time. All right. Sebastian, so, darling, it's not supposed to be protesting. It's supposed to be peacefully assembling. That's totally different in reality. <laughs> All right. Well, first, I just wanted to share my position my position on the topic uh, from what I read. Um, Please, yes. I'm a reader, so when I came in, I was just <laughs> just reading. I put you all, turn my volume down, and that's because I couldn't listen and read at the same time because I wanted to. I do like to respect the topics when I um, am listening to um, different people's shows, and because obviously I feel like you all had the intent to have a really great discussion around it. Um, but um, not but. So my position is to highlight that the culture war is not just between the binary of political parties, the religion, um, and also social issues like sexual orientation and or sexual expression. But it's really what I just read in the article. Um, it's really about the internal culture war within the culture. Like, for example, black Republicans against black Democrats, black heterosexuals against black queer folks, black non-secular against black secular. Um, and I mean secular meaning religion, um, where at the root cause of all these problems are positions that's really based off of political ideology. And all of that is tied to classism and then subtly, but not so subtle racism, which we, I think, finally and rightfully are acknowledging as the ideology of white supremacy. Um, And so when I'm hearing any kind of um, opinion on um, pushing back on what's happening with the what's really become the part of the the big part of the culture war, which is the racial part of it. Um, is that there's also uh, a blind eye to the fact or a blind or a deaf ear to the fact that these other things are happening even within black culture because we're still fighting um, the ideology that has that we were that we were assimilated into. Um, I think absent of American culture, we probably wouldn't even be having much of these um, intercultural wars. But because we have assimilated into what Amer- what Americanism is, that we're having these two, and I, and I believe that if we can get to a point where we can hash out these concerns that we have within our the, within the black culture, then we can get to the larger problem of 
what's happened within the racial war. And I believe that that's, that, that's the scary part. That part is actually the scariest part um, because we're trying to resolve so many unresolved issues that has been really for, I believe, white Americans to have resolved so that us black people wouldn't have to still be trying to resolve these issues. And so I, that's my position in, in, in bringing, uh, talking about the culture war. And so I just will leave it at that. Uh, did uh, any uh, Sebastian or Dave? Did you have anything to add? Uh, or me, to... Yeah, I, I want to respond to something that she had said in uh, in, in one of her comments uh, uh, earlier. Yeah, um, I, I was <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It, I, I added myself to the show a long time ago. I did not see uh, the article there when the link. What I do when I get on the show? I mean, number one, I I, I got a call. I, I picked up the call. I set up my headphones and I started talking. <laughs> I didn't look at the article. I didn't even know there was an article there. Um, actually, uh, it, it, on, on the contrary, I, I was reading uh, an article um, of, of coming up to this point um, uh, regarding Jane Mayer's uh, dark money, because a lot of the culture war shit we, we, we deal with, I mean, it's multifaceted, but a lot of it does get funded by special interest groups and, and, and uh, you know, these, these capitalists who are like, like Robert, uh, like the Mercer family. They're essentially just fascists. And they got a, they have a lot of money. So they get to, um, since the, like the seventies, uh, you know, the Koch brothers themselves, um, have been funding these, uh, people like, like Charlie Kirk, right? Like proto Charlie Kirk, uh, proto, um, uh, Ben Shapiro. And they've been funding them and perfecting this, this, this messaging, uh, over time, uh, through these, these refined processes of, of infiltrating colleges and, and making non-issues the issue. Um, you know, even when they're in the face of civil rights uh, and, and just principles we hold uh, in our Constitution. <laughs> um, the So my bad for not reading the article, basically, is what, what I'm saying. It's a long-winded way of saying that. No, it's uh, it's okay. I did add it late, so that is probably why looking glass uh, uh these guys didn't really um, come up to speed, uh, weren't up to speed on the article. But... Uh, that's that's understandable. I just I think that uh, early on um, when some of the um, points were being made, um, I, I didn't want I, at least for I didn't really want us to um, it to be like disjointed where people didn't know what was going on. So if if anything, if if anyone does join um, and express any um, positions about at least the title, then um, I, I don't mind like kind of just trying to highlight what was in the article. Um, if, if it comes to that, totally. That's yeah. I took awesome. t- some time to skim through it. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I saw. I saw it, 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 in which context you were. You, uh, uh, I think it was. Uh, was it a million that was saying it? Um, there were certain things that she was saying that I was like, whoa, 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 why are we talking about this? And now I'm just like, oh, well, that makes sense. So uh, if she's still here, I apologize, but I don't think she's, now she's not. Yeah, I think that that's. Um, I do want to. I do want to speak on. Um, I think the tone is what kind of was the. the was, was what was being picked up on because um, this is something I had to learn myself. Uh, just some background about me: I, I'm I'm a first generation American. My uh, American, uh, my family's from Jamaica, um, and so my upbringing in terms of fully experiencing like the African American experience, aside from not truly even being able to experience the Jamaican ex- uh, experience. Um, 
has been eye-opening to learning about the level of pain that I hear in many African-Americans' voices. And for a while, not to say I didn't, I didn't understand it because I definitely did, but when I started hearing different conversations like the Black separatist movements or, or um, um, conversations about Blacks uh, segregating and staying segregated, at first my, my initial response was to make sure that I was pacifying anyone who was white, who was listening to it so that it didn't feel uncomfortable. But when I really took the time to listen to what was being said in context, um, particularly for many of the of, um, black people who have like grand- grandparents or great grandparents, which thinking about the, you know, the end of slavery is just like 160, 70, maybe years ago. I might just be overstating the, the numbers. But when you listen to the fact, when you know that there, there are people that are still around that are still telling these stories, then the pain hits a little differently. My criticism is no longer valid because I'm learning that there, what's behind that tone of voice is a, a pain that not many people can understand or connect to. So even for me, I've had to, um, have, I've had to sort of, um, check myself so that when I'm hearing the tone, I'm actually listening to what, what's being said, but I'm also tapping back into the context of it so that I don't take it as like um, a, a person being angry just for the sake of being angry, but a person who wants to get to a point of, uh, of us being, ha- being able to have some redemption, not because we have to ha- be redeemed, but because we want this country to be redeemed so that we can stop having to visit this whole uh, mess of what is white supremacy or, ra- or, or racism which is really at the root of what what the article is talking about, and towards the end, um, that's related to the cultural cultural war that we're dealing with right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, I just wanted to make it clear that the reason that comment uh, was was kind of halted isn't because like um, I didn't want I didn't respect their opinion, and I didn't, you know, like I, I to me I have to err on the side of caution, right? If somebody comes on this show. And here's something being said that is inflammatory. Um, you know, they could report the show and we could be shut down. You know, and, and that's the unfortunate reality. So, like, I, I don't want, you know, I think it was just more, again, I have to pay attention to tone. And I, I recognize that she probably wasn't being as uh, concise uh, with her, with her, uh, her thought uh, as, as she maybe would have liked. Uh, or maybe I was just wasn't picking up on it because of the tone. But like, you know, I, I have to err on the side of caution anytime. And, and there's just certain words that like kind of can act as triggers for people. So I have to, I have to just be mindful of that. So it's nothing to like, I didn't want to stifle her opinions. And I, I, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Honestly, I, I mean, I, I wasn't fully at, at that, at that point, I think I was making a drink. So I wasn't fully engaged, but I picked up on some key phrases and I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa where is this going? And yeah. I heard a certain phrase repeated uh, multiple times, and I'm just like, okay, I, I kind of understand what she's saying, but I can't tell if this is a call to violence or if this is uh, just kind of a, you know, like, uh, how do you how do you call that? Like a like a race reversal? Like like you know, what if what if you were in my shoes and and this this is how this is the only way people would see like you know walking a mile in someone else's shoes is the only way that they're going to see that um you know this is 
this is the reality for some people, and this is why people are driven into by, by certain things and, and in certain ways. If that's the best possible interpretation, but yeah, the that, choice, the choice is the word. Yeah, huh? that, that's what, no, that's what she was saying was that. But so this, this is um, I think, um, so for for us, for Black people, the that violence and that level of violence, we we we've seen it so much, we've felt it so much that even saying it, um, it 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 it's not a shock to us because we've that shock has gone away because it's happened so much so much in our community. And you know, people will say, well, you know, there's black on black crime, and that's true. There's white on crime. There's Asian and Asian crime, and it's you know, wherever there's a community, there's going to be some kind of crime. But um, that the shock of that for everybody else is not a shock specifically for us because we've been living it. So when you hear it, I think um, what is important for everybody or anyone that's not in the community that, that hears that those words and how it's being said, it's it really is to to be jarring because for us it's been so jarring. So when you can when you feel that from that perspective of the shock that we've been dealing with and feeling, then the point is for it to to be see are you feeling what I'm feeling? Do, do you see what I'm what I'm saying? Um and it can you connect to the type of violence that I've had to experience just because my skin color is black. And if it were to happen on the other, if it were to happen on the other side, would the reactions, would the response be more urgent? And what we've seen with the January 6th insurrection, what we automatically know is when you compare that to the protests of 2020, there, there was an urgency to enact violence against people who were peacefully protesting, but there wasn't an urgency to enact that same kind of violence. Not to say that it should be done or to be justified, but just based off of the standard of if someone behaves one way, we're going to respond that way. But there's a, a, an indifference to that because of the fact of uh, one person's skin color being black versus one person's skin color being white. So she meant what she said in that way, and it was meant to be jarring because that's been the experience for black people. Yeah, no, I, I don't, yeah. I don't disagree with you at all. I, I 100%, yeah. uh, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I, I just, it's, it's, it's the platform. It's the, it's the, it's like, it's like what, what Talk Hogan said. Like the only, look, in, in polite company, all day I talk like that. I, I, my, the vast majority of my family is black. I, I am the only, in my family tree, my immediate family is the only, like, the, are the only white people in my family. Uh, my mom is black. Um, it, it's, it's the platform, the, the place and time is just not right to say stuff like that. I, I like, it was like talk, talk, uh, talk Hogan was saying, this kind of stuff could get us kicked out of, uh, stereo. Um, it, it's, it could get her kicked out of stereo. I, I don't want that for anybody. There's, there's, there's limits to, to what we could say on a, on a, a private platform. And I just, I'm glad they let us cuss all day, <laughs> but like that felt like a call to violence. Just if someone wanted to interpret it that way, and again, I wasn't fully paying attention, but I totally 100% will get what you're saying. In retrospect, everything makes sense uh, with the article, the 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 choice word she she chose. Uh, all of it makes sense in, in retrospect. Yeah, and I don't. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't meant to invalidate her what she was saying. I think. Um, I think up here, at least this panel, um, I would at least consider us all, most of us, I would consider probably all of us up here as allies, you know, and, uh, 
I, I don't want to, like I said, this wasn't like meant to discredit or what she was saying. It was just like, I have to be mindful of what's being said because if somebody comes on here and hears, you know, we we're going to spill white blood all over the place or something like that. I get what you're trying to do. I get it. I respect it. But like, I also want to continue this conversation without getting kicked off the air. And there are people on here that if they heard that and interpreted it the wrong way, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to report me in my, in the show, in the shows off the air. So, um, you know, that's, that's really the only reason that I had to cut that short. I understand. I, I, I do understand that perspective on it because people do misinterpret so much now these days. Nobody asks clarifying questions. Nobody wants to try to get to the root of an understanding. And, and most people are reactionary. So I understand yeah. like trying to protect the, the show. Um, but I, I hope that with us talking about this for people who find themselves listening to someone who's speaking that way, because I had to retrain myself to understand exactly what that context was when I've heard it myself. I hope that just even think about the article, the article even talks uh, something um, about that, like um, talks about um, basically us having to like work through um, not fight through it, but to work through it. And, and we're talking where speech can be violent. Um, but there's also, uh, there's also something for people to listen to if the speech is violent in intent to, uh, to, toward someone or if it's in violent intent to give context to something. And I think that's that. And I, I'm not telling you to, 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 you know, retract what you just said or I'm not diminishing what you said at all, but I hope that us being able to be more open to listening to everyone's perspectives on situations that we start to understand a little bit more about why someone would say something versus um, someone who would react to say, I'm going to block, you know, block this, this, this conversation because it sounds like it's going, it sounds uh, violent. So for a broader, like more future, more maybe um, ongoing conversation about things like this, when people do hear it, is to maybe even try to retrain themselves to try to understand exactly where that might be coming from, or at least ask. But I'm I'm all for saying, well, we gotta halt it just in case someone does misinterpret. Right, and that's and I did and I did kind of mention in that uh, in my response to that, uh, it, you know, if you would like if you would like to clarify that comment a little bit, uh, uh, please, uh, they are more than welcome to. Yes. Um, you know, again, it, it was more the tone that I had to pay attention to and the words that were being said and the way they were being said. Uh, and, but now that being said, uh, I agree. And if you, and if you and, uh, would like to, uh, continue this conversation, I'm fine with this. Uh, you know, I, I agree that like, um, you know, if this was meant to like further a, 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 a bro more broader conversation, then that conversation needs to be had. Uh, so if you would like to lead that conversation, um, you know, uh, I would like, you know, I think, I think it would be something that, that would be, are you guys interested, Sebastian, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. I, w I just want to say one last thing on the culture war stuff though, really quick, uh, if you don't mind. Totally. Totally. Uh, it, it is, it, and, and, uh, Looking Glass kind of, kind of, uh, really, really, uh, it, you know, kind of made the final point here is that this is, a I said it earlier too. This is a multifaceted thing. We're talking about uh, misinformation from governments. We're talking about uh, uh, ideologies from like theocratic uh, uh, groups in America and outside of America. We're talking about um, uh, 
corporations that have endless amounts of money and, and these billionaires who have endless amounts of money to spend to promote their own narratives. And it all culminates, it all coagulates on the Internet. And, like, this is why we're, like, right now, I feel like a, a powder keg. Like, this whole country is just a powder keg waiting to just go off. It's the, the most dangerous place to be right now in the world uh, is is America. I mean, I, I say that kind of exaggerating. Obviously, there's, there's more dangerous places to be. But, like, it really just feels like any day now, I mean, I've been telling people to stop using uh, things like Signal and move to, like, Threema because you don't even want your phone number associated with your with your messages because you're going to be doing political work. Um, go start scrubbing your, your digital footprint. That's a really difficult thing to do, but, like, <laughs> you know, start doing it now before, um, before these companies are forced to turn over uh, information to this, like, Christian Catholic fascist uh, uh formation this faction in in our government um i don't know what's coming next and like this is leading up to world war ii this is really similar shit i know we hear that all the time but like it was the catholics and i was raised catholic by the way (laughs) i'm not trying to like oust anyone i think catholics in general are great people but it was uh catholic leadership that funded the uh the fascist organizations all over europe uh, because this is, you know, these are revolutionary situations. And in revolutionary situations, uh, defined by Fidel Castro, if I could quote him for a second, uh, revolution is, is a, a battle to the death between the future and the past. And the Catholic Church definitely represents another time. It represents uh, the feudal era. It represents uh, monarchies and religious leaders. And they are just trying to crawl their way back into into power right now is what I feel like. And I'm not saying the Pope's doing that. I just think there are certain factions in uh, Catholicism, because um, there's plenty of those, um, who want to see this become a reality. And they have already literally taken over our Supreme Court. And that's not something I thought was going to happen in my lifetime, but this is where we're at. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I, to be honest, I don't want to take over the the discussion um, and change the discussion. I think it. I, I think it's fair for everybody to be able to. Um, exp- we were talking about culture war already, um, a, as it is. Um, but you know what's interesting about what you just said, um, Sebastian, which is um, who's in charge of influencing uh, the culture and. I wish that more people would pay attention to who, where things start, where the root of uh, someone's um, mission or campaign is coming from, because then I think the people who might be more aligned with whatever that politics are, uh, politics uh, is at, at, for whatever the discussion is. For example, um, when CRT was being um, sort of like the boogeyman of like, I don't know, it, like no one asked questions. Uh, about what it was. And when you would ask, when people would be asked what it was, they couldn't tell you. They could only tell you what they heard someone else say that it was. And if I was a person that was in that circle and I expected more from, uh, or I had at least an expectation for people who were going to represent me, I would at least want them to be honest with me and say, okay, well, 
if you don't know what it is or you have, what are you, so what are you trying to tell me that I need to be fighting against? And that's in anything. That's whether it's, you know, Black Lives Matter, which did start as an organization that was that was really trying to call attention to the fact that black lives did not matter. Black lives still don't matter anywhere. It doesn't matter if it's in Africa or, you know, the diaspora or anything like that. It, it Just in the scale of what lives matter, black lives is typically going to be the last. And it's been that way for a really long time, probably because of the fact that we have a story of slavery and people automatically equate slavery with people who are weak and what have you and so when you take all of that into account and you really sit down and think about the fact that there are people that do have agendas just like what you said and the article talks about this too um but it also talks about the fact that like now it's less and less um like political committees now it's just the people now it's us, us. like we're now perpetuating and parroting and mimicking what we've been hearing for so long and no one's actually asking questions of the people who keep have been giving us this information. But you all are. You're, you, you, you've already identified, you know, liberal, these liberal pe- uh, people, leaders, I guess you can say, who were leading the charge. And then now there's that in, there's a fighting again within liberal culture about who's not being progressive enough or who, have, who has walked away from the party. And this is happening in Republican circles, too. It's just a really big mess. And, and I think that people are not asking questions to try to get to who started that mess. And why, what does that have to do with me? And why do they keep dragging me in it? Because it's distracting me from the things that I really want to solve, which is everybody wanting to be kumbaya and being unified. We can never do that because we keep on allowing people to influence us, but never ask them why do they want to do that. I mean, I mean yeah, go ahead. I want to break, briefly touch on the, um, the counterculture thing, right? I'm, I'm probably the oldest person on the panel. I was born in 1967, right around the summer of love. So, you know, that's kind of the root of what he's talking about in the article, right? Is it used to be the counterculture versus the squares. And the counterculture was united. And the counterculture was all the freaks and fairies, right? Hippies, freaks, fairies, all of us, you know? I was a metalhead, but we got along, you know, Hand in glove with the punk rockers because they were anti-establishment, anti-white picket fence, anti, you know, mansion on the hill as well, as was the queer community, right? Because all the disenfranchised groups got along because we could relate like, oh, yeah, we're totally disenfranchised, too. You know, my, I'm a working poor. What's going on? How are you doing? Oh, we got way more in common than we have uh, not in common. Um, but my entire life, I've seen. The infiltration of these groups and then the, the co-opting and the fracturing of these groups. And if you pull back the lens, to me, it's obvious that it's the oldest tactic in the book, divide and conquer, right? Because if you get the 99% fighting against themselves, then the 1% can sit back and, and relax in their mansion on the hill. If we get together, they're done. So to me, it's, it's, I've seen this play out and I mean a multitude of ways right like gay marriage no gay marriage wait are we a free country or not can we just talk about freedom equality and equal pay for all people and move on but there's all these what you call wedge issues to get people to pick a side and then pit them against each other right are you pro-vax anti-vax now you're fighting are you, you know, pro-gay marriage, anti-gay marriage, pro-abortion, anti-abortion, you know, and not pro-abortion, pro-life or pro-choice? 
Um, so these are all wedge issues and most of them a civil rights issue that shouldn't be decided by, you know, a personal liberty and civil rights issue, I believe, that the government has no place in deciding. Um, but I wanted to mention a couple things. Um, you know, uh, the looking glass mentioned that we need to look into what is the root of a movement. And that is so important, right? Because a bunch of people thought the, uh, the Tea Party was this grassroots movement that was funded and started by the Koch brothers. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, billionaires who are dead set on, uh, on getting more and us having less. And they're, they're in polluting industries and extractive industries. So, you know, if you want to put a face on evil, there's, you know, two or three Koch brothers. I'm not sure how, how many are still alive. Um, uh, but then you've got the, two left. Yeah. Thank God one of them fell. But, um, then you've got the CIA and, um, there's this, uh, there's this awesome program I urge everybody to check out. Oh, before I forget, Sebastian, please on the back channel, send me anything that I can you do to scrub my digital footprint and that thing that you said that's better than signal. I'm, I'd be super interested. I recently had my YouTube channel taken down and I lost six, seven years worth of work. So. Any oh, info no, you got that sucks. Great. I've seen, I've yeah. seen your YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm bummed. I'm sorry. I had 1,500 documentaries on there that I accumulated for oh, the people, God. and now, now they're gone. Um, what happened? But uh, I was uh, called that uh, I was accused of medical misinformation just because I was talking. I'm double vaxxed, but I was talking about what Joe Rogan did, and you can't. And then when I looked closer at their terms of service, you can't even mention hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. Not even, pro- let alone promote it. You can't mention it. So, and the way well, for the a while YouTube, you could have mentioned COVID, right? And the way the the YouTube disciplinary thing works is once you have a strike, your channel is frozen. So when I got one strike, I went in there trying to remove a bunch of stuff, anything that could be considered controversial, and I couldn't do it. It was frozen. So then, while it was frozen, without me being able to do anything, I got strike two and three, and boom, my channel was taken down. Oh Unbelievable in a quote-unquote free country. But I guess they are a private company, so there's that. But I wanted to urge everybody to look at this uh, thing. It's on the film archives, which you can find on YouTube. John Stockton, a former CIA um, operative. They do all kinds of wonderful talks with uh And you basketball great. Oh, really? Cool. Um, and he was talking fun. about... He was talking about 75% of what he did in the CIA and what the CIA does in general is propaganda to shape public opinion. So exactly what we're talking about here, to shape a narrative, to put forward forth a, a term like critical race theory, right? Um, to the point where even uh, the CIA was the one that supplied Charles Manson with his LSD. I was blown away when I learned that through the MK Ultra experiments. The CIA was the one that was supplying Manson with LSD. And once again, as a way to infiltrate and annihilate the free love and, you know, movement of the, of the sixties where everybody was like, you know, fuck the man. As long as you're not the man, we're all, we're all together. Well, then that got all fractured and splintered and ate itself, right? Um, yeah, I find it shocking sometimes that the generation that is pushing uh, all of these oppressive policies are, you, I mean, surprisingly, 
um, a majority of them are from like the six, like the people who are like just like fucking like rabbits and holding up peace signs and smoking lots of pot and doing lots of drugs. Mm. Yeah, r- right. Like the Jimmy Gar or the Jerry Garcia sticker on the back of a Mercedes is the like, ultimate what irony. What happened to them? What happened to them? Like what? Where did they go? Yeah, <laughs> turned into the '80s, the me generation. But you know what I mean? Like what? Like that? That generation was pretty. It, they were close. They were close. They they understood the 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 like main principle, like the important principles of like humanity, like peace and love. Right? If you love yeah. each other and you and you don't want to hurt each other, then uh, the world would be a pretty good place. Uh, so, you know, it's funny to see them now, like, they're the ones that are like, you know, the, the diehard military, you know, waving the Trump flags, uh, type of people. And, and that's just you, have you have to understand, too, that they, they had, they've had as many years as they've been alive as, as, as many years as they, they've been exposed, uh, to new kinds of propaganda. I mean, the, right. the advanced, like, the super advanced uh, strategies, the media strategies that the, uh, the, the, the Bush administration had during the lead-up to the Iraq War. I mean, really, really competent stuff. Um, it, the, the, I don't know if any, anyone remembers the, uh, the Wolf commercial, but the Wolf commercial was the thing that did it for a lot of people. Um, I don't know if you call it a commercial, a PSA or whatever, but that really did it for a lot of people. They saw that. They, they, they saw these, you know, these personified uh, or, or anthropomorphized terrorists as wolves. And whoever put that together just knew what they were doing and knew who they were talking to. They were talking to that generation of people who became these, like, rabid, insane, like, pro-war people who, you know, the, the generation that was supposed, supposed to be against the Vietnam War suddenly is like, oh, no, this is this is the threat. Like, they, you know, um, we have to go into Iraq right. because they have connections to Al-Qaeda. And if we don't, you know, we, we, if we don't up our, our, our we, we don't turn over our, our, um, our privacy for security, then, then, uh, we're, we're going to get, we're going to all get killed by these, uh, these theocratic, uh, terrorists, the Mujahideen that, that turned into, uh, to the, the Al-Qaeda or whatever. But the, I mean, the ironic thing is now we have a different kind of theocracy <laughs> inside of our borders, but whatever. I guess that's not that's, as that's important. That's so, so true. I just want to point out, we created the Mujahideen, right? The CIA went over to the Middle East and recruited the most extreme Muslim extremists that they could from all over the world and was went and, on a mass recruiting drive. Yeah, it goes back further than that. We literally created fundamentalism, fundamentalist Islam. That was not a thing before before we had this whole elaborate anti-Soviet thing. Um, because the, the, at the time, the Soviets were, like, uh, organized state atheists. Like, they were, their official religion was no religion. <laughs> right. So, it was, and, and their, uh, their, their influence was reaching into the Muslim world, the, the Middle Eastern world, and successfully, very successfully. And the the U.S. saw a contradiction there that they could take advantage of, and that is uh, creating division through um, uh, religion. So they radicalized Muslims to become uh, certain elements of Muslim society to become element uh, to become fundamentalists and to, to radicalize them, and then to support them with with guns and money. And ironically, 
all those same tactics are, are, are what we're, we're seeing deployed here. I'm not saying they're coming from the CIA. They've just been recycled by people who are experts in the field of marketing and messaging. And those, those, that same kind of experience that the, uh, the Mujahideen, uh, that, that created the Mujahideen that would go on to become uh, al-Qaeda is the same kind of bullshit we hear now. All the rhetoric against uh, uh, CRT, uh, against trans people, against the most vulnerable people in our society Antifa. is being used. And Antifa, by the yeah. way, which is literally Antifa in, in the U.S. I, I, I grew up as a punk rocker. I, I'm very familiar with this. It was part yeah, of a music that. scene. It wasn't even a fucking, like, it, it's still not. It never was this organized thing, this, this boogeyman that they created in the media. It never will be that thing by virtue of being Antifa. It is this disorganized, anonymous thing unless it's manifested in the punk scene, which is just, it's just a group of kids who meet up every, every fucking Saturday and have drinks. Like they just get drunk and listen to anti-fascist music. But, um, people, people act like this is like, oh, this brand new group, Antifa. Like, no, they've been around since like the seventies, dude. Yeah, and, and I just want to mention, amen, and right on punk rock and, and metal fans. Um, and also, so if you're anti-Antifa, if you're anti-anti-fascist, that means you're pro-fascist, right? So you might have a question about how certain things are done. And like you said, there is no leadership of Antifa. It operates like Al-Qaeda, the cell. It's If you if you want to be Antifa, guess what? You're Antifa, if you, you know? And you could be one for a day, oh. right? You both go be a black flock for a day. Operates like Al Qaeda, but yeah, yeah. Right, well, meaning meaning that there is no leadership, and it's just independent right, right. cells, meaning independent people. You know, if if even four people get together, that would probably be unique. It just happens that they all have the same ideal and end up on the same street corner. Um, yeah, but there is no leadership, and so it is not a thing. So that's we've been brainwashed even to think that. And, and here we're rooting. I hear people root against these anti-fascists. Well, then that means that you're pro-fascism, right? By default. The thing is, the problem, the main problem here, and yes, you're you're correct. There's no other way to interpret that. But the main problem here is that like the media creates these problems, these non-issues. They turn these non-issues into issues. And it's, it's again, it's a well-funded, coordinated effort to sow discontent so that there can be these these uh, these party divides or these this population divides based on these two positions uh, that politics in this country are, is an industry. You either you either smoke Newport or you smoke Marlboros. That's that's it. <laughs> but like they've gotten you to fight about it. They got you to yeah. fight about whether or not. Like to physically harm someone who smokes Newports over your Marlboros. Like, oh, I promise yeah. you, the nicotine's the same. You're you are not you you do not have that level of brand loyalty. Stop exactly. letting them do that to you. Newport or Marlboros, Budweiser or Coors, Coke or Pepsi, Raiders or Niners. Right? It's it's so ingrained in our society. Division. Choose a side. Um, well, you know, what's okay. interesting that you all were talking about was, uh, was the, the, uh, idea of Al Qaeda. And I remember, um, before, uh, President Obama was elected that there were, there were these, um, I think it was on A&E. There was a show where they had the CIA setting up people. I guess what they were doing was almost like luring people to see, yeah, I'm going to 
going to offer you $50,000 to blow up this building. And what they were doing was that they were using the uh, people's desperation. Uh, so in, in each of these stories, like three black men, I can't remember. Um, I think some of them were like Muslim. Um, and what they did is that they would say the one, one of the gentlemen, his mother had cancer. So he was trying to pay for her cancer. And out of his desperation, he was like, I'll take the $50,000 or whatever it was, $60,000 so that his, he could save his grandmother's life. Another guy, something that he had with debt and he was trying to pay the debt off. Um, it's the same thing that happened with, um, um, goodness, so I, I remember the movie, uh, Black, Black Judah, uh, Black Messiah, Black Judas. I, I don't remember the name now. <laughs> but, um, I don't know if you all remember the movie I'm talking about where the CIA basically used this one man, uh, he was a thief. And this is sort of the, the this is sort of like the, the, uh, the uh, best practice, if you would call it, of what the CIA and what these, uh, um, these, um, um, law enforcement agencies do in America is that they take the desperation of people and then they use that against them in order to leverage whatever whatever um, mission they have that they're trying to use. Like, uh, look at Black Panther Party. This is a constant thing that they've been doing. And when you think about the Taliban, or not the Taliban, but Al-Qaeda, or terrorism, and terrorism was the face, the, the face of terrorism was um, the brown people from the Middle East. You don't hear about that at all now. It's almost like it never happened. And um, one thing I liked about in the articles, it was saying that, um, you know, it's talking about the theologies, but it was saying that you really see people on the right rooting their positions within a biblical theology or ecclesiastical tradition. You don't hear them talking about Jesus anymore or anything like that. I mean, barely. When they do, the, the comparison is like nobody. <laughs> they're like, well, Jesus said Trump or Jesus approves Trump or God approves Trump. And it's like, well, Anybody can make that argument if somebody exists that God made them, but there's still people's behaviors and all this other stuff. So when we're talking about like all of these, um, all of these boogeymen that have been um, created by our law enforcement agencies, it, it's easy to understand why you have people who have fallen into the trap of believing that these new boogeymen exist, boogeymen exist because it's been, as you said, Antifa, uh, the Taliban, Al Qaeda. Um, now we have white supremacy as a real problem, and people are not taking that uh, seriously. And that's just not that's that's a real problem. But there's also another problem where there are black people beating up Asian people. I, 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 when I saw it, I was like, "Wait, okay, what's happening here?" And it's really an ideology thing, right? It's really a this position of a, an other taking over and. Um, and going to take something from us. And that's another development of this culture war that Trump has really kind of exacerbated. And I think the problem is that people are not really taking a moment to be a little bit more skeptical, right? If we're a little bit more suspicious about the information of people that we love, people that or people that we believe we love, or people that we believe has our best interests in, at, at heart, then we should be okay with asking questions if we feel uncomfortable about something that they're saying. But people are scared to do that because you don't want to look like you are um, on the outs. You don't want to look, people don't want to look like they are challenging or they don't want to uh, be uncomfortable because the other people within the crew, the, the, the crew or the clique is going to come and get them. You can't have a dissenting idea about what's what you're with the people that you love whether it's democrats or republicans or 
I don't know, the LGBTQIA community or the black community, if you have any stance that doesn't go with the status quo based off whatever narratives have been driven by whoever has been driving those narratives, it's like ghost people or something, I don't know, um, then all of a sudden you are you are the bad person because you're not falling in line. So it, it it's like people are really almost trapped within some of these culture wars. And then there's another part of it where people just completely forgot that there was a culture war like 10 years ago and nobody's asking, well, what happened to that one? Did they, did that get resolved? Um, did they catch all the terrorists that were supposed to be Middle Eastern people? Uh, did they catch all the people at the border that were supposedly coming in the country and taking over? Like we talked about this earlier. What happened to all the people taking over this country? Why are they not, um, I mean, in the, the people crossing the border? Why are they not putting that on the news for us to see when we know that that's still happening? So it's, I'm, I'm all honest. No, there, there is, you're right. There's a very, very short term memory that we, we, we all suffer from as a collectively as a country. Like you'll see these arguments being made um, and it'll, it'll sound like the end of the fucking world. And then like, you know, five years from now, it, it's, it's like everyone ruined everyone's lives. For, for five years, yeah, um, and in some cases permanently, and then, um, and I mean, like right now, like this is this is one of those things, like where where I, I hopefully I think this is going to find a way to be resolved in a way that brings us back to the status quo or advances us further. The Roe v. Wade issue, uh, I really really hope that uh, I, I'm optimistic that that's going to happen. But in the meantime, right now, there's people's lives who are going to be permanently ruined because of this decision. And that's that's the problem with all of this. Our, our, our short-term memory is is that you know what happened to all the people who were supposed to be dying of vaccines, right? And like like for the longest time, uh, when I was you know working for the health department, uh, I, I kept turning on the news to hear some new crazy stupid idea. Those people, those people, the chiropractors, the, the the celebrity doctors, all those people who made these outrageous fucking claims about COVID nineteen are not going to suffer any consequences for it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to suffer any consequences for, for decrying the vaccine for whatever stupid reason they were doing that. They're not going to suffer any consequences long-term on, on their reputation. Like, people are going to forget and move on, and they're going to be rehabilitated, and then, and, and their, their, their whole image is going to be, like, cleansed, essentially. They're going to show back up on TV. They're going to be the, the quote-unquote, ex- experts on this new issue or whatever. But, like, that killed people. That got people killed. People died because they didn't take the fucking vaccine because they, they believed in, you know, uh, nurse pimple popper or whatever. And they believed in the stupid chiropractors who don't do anything medically anyways, but for some reason we give them a, a, a space to do business. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. If you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm throwing down, please do share with friends and on social media. Until next time, keep on digging for the truth.